Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Justice Sobriety, where we talk, share, and spill the tea soberly and anonymously. So there's quite a few things I wanted to cover today. So first, I was able to have the opportunity to speak in front of about 30 to 35 adolescents in recovery. I got to share a bit of my story with them and watch them play with their play during the game night. And it was a really cool experience. Um, I, I'm in contact with the executive director of the program that was facilitating it. Well, I can't speak today. Big surprise. Yeah. So when she asked me to speak, I couldn't say no. And I'm so excited for that. Um, it's really good experience. Um, I was on a stage with a microphone. I've never done that and shared my experience, but I was sitting down, so it was kind of like a meeting. Um, It was a lot of fun, and I'm really glad that I did it, even though I was really nervous, and you could tell because my voice was shaking a little bit, (laughs) Um, but I made it through it, and it it was really nice. Like, you could tell the kids really enjoyed it, and they appreciated what I had to say, and that's really why I was doing it. I wasn't there to get recognition. I just wanted to help even just one of them relate to my story so they can see that things do get better in recovery. And even though they may not be in the best situations now, they were still making the best out of it, and it was awesome. So I'm so grateful for that. I've been so busy. I I know I haven't uploaded a podcast in quite a quite a while so I do apologize um I've been struggling a little bit with balance and I think I've been wearing myself a little thin I have six sponsees now which I think it's pretty awesome it is a lot of work but it's worth it you know these women they really want this and they're willing to do what it takes to keep it so I'll give them my time, and it's it's been a joy for me getting to know them so far. Um, let's see, school has been quite busy too. There's a lot of essays due, exams due, discussions due, and I enrolled for the next semester and a half. So during the winter and the spring, I'm going to be going a little bit crazy. I decided it would be a good idea to do five courses in the spring and have sponsees and have my meetings and have work full time and have my relationship and my home life and whatever else decides to pop up in life. But I'm very motivated. I want my career. I want to start working with people in recovery beyond what I'm already doing. I want to start changing lives. So... I'm going to use this motivation and just push through all the sleepless nights I'll probably have. So that's going to be fun. You'll get to hear about that journey as it progresses. Um, So that will be super fun. Later in this episode, there will be a surprise guest who will speak a little bit with me. But right now, I'm just focusing on catching you guys up. Um, One thing that I've 
seen a lot lately that I'm just, I don't understand. Newcomers, why do you guys get in relationships when you first get into AA? I mean, I get it feels good to have attention. But I just don't understand how it's going to help your recovery. And if if you feel attacked by this, I'm sorry. I don't mean to. But I'm just really trying to understand the purpose of this. Because I've always been told by my sponsor and my previous sponsor that it... Like, when you get in relationships so early and you're just already trying to stay sober, you really lose sight of things and, you know, you put your focus into this person and they can easily become your higher power. And I just don't see how it's beneficial. And if you're in one right now, I hope it works out. If not, the program's always going to be there. Um, If any of you guys have comments on this, feel free to let me know. Um, Yeah, that's just something that I'm really trying to understand. Because I was always told that if, you know, we, I don't know who I am right now in that moment or in early recovery. So how will I know what's good for me? How will I know what I really want and what I need? And putting another person who's probably in the program in the mix of my personal life. It just seems like it's a disaster waiting to happen. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe not all relationships in early recovery will end badly. But I just, I'm still struggling so hard to understand how it will be an effective move to add in your life. But... Like I said, let me know. Maybe I'm wrong. So, that being said, our next segment will be on relationships. Um, On November 14th, today's the 18th, it was supposed to be my wedding day. I was supposed to get married to the love of my life, but first of all, we got in a pretty big fight um quite a few months back and decided we still want to be together but getting married at this time is not going to be the best for us because we still have to figure out who we are figure out what we want and what our needs and values are and make sure that they fit in with each other's and that we can work things out and compromise when where it's needed and that was that was then, like way earlier this year. Where we are now, I feel like it could happen. It really could happen. And I'm hopeful. And my sobriety is in a much better place. And it's helped me be a better person and see things clearly and be able to compromise, see eye to eye with her and I just feel a lot better and I feel like when we do decide to get married if we do we will last if we were basing our marriage off of how things were then it wouldn't have so with that being said 
I'm going to let her introduce herself in just a moment. So stay with me and I'll be right back. Okay, so the special guest is Brittany, the love of my life. Hey there. Hello, everybody. So I thought it would be really cool to have her on a segment. And I know I talked about it a little bit in the other intro part that I have. So I just have some questions for her. But first, do you have anything to say about the fact that Saturday was supposed to be our wedding day? Oh, that was just like a weird day. Yeah, how so? I think everybody was kind of like, oh, throwing off me, you, everybody. I was working that day and everybody was just getting on my nerves. Yeah. Yeah. And then I just so happened to like look at the, t like, I just so happened to pay attention to the day at one point because I was looking at the time and I was like, wait, is that what day it actually is? And then I was like, holy crap. What, I was supposed to get married today. Whoa. So then things would have happened like slightly different. I would be sitting in a wedding dress or something right now as opposed to uh, being stuck here at work. <laughs> did you feel sad at all? Yeah, I did feel a little bit sad, but I think in the long run it was better that we decided to put it off a little longer. So we could work on our shit? Yeah, work on our shit. Not to mention this year has been a crap show for everybody, so I'd rather not get married this year because it might be some bad juju. Yeah, yeah. I agree completely. Um, yeah, I was saying in my little intro that we really needed to learn what we wanted, see like see how to make it fit with each other, how to compromise, how to communicate, how to really just like I don't know, be a couple again. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So, recovery related not just our personal lives um what advice would you tell other spouses of alcoholics who are still struggling with their alcoholics whether they're getting sober or they're still out Ooh, okay i think this is gonna be this is gonna depend highly on the spouse or significant other the alcoholic because if it's like if, I guess if in a situation where it's like us where, you know, even though we weren't ex exactly acting like a couple, but like nobody was cheating, nobody was hurting nobody or anything else, then my advice would be just be patient. Especially if the alcoholic or addict or whoever is in the process of trying to get better for themselves. And I mean, if, um... <clears throat> If they are still in and out of the rooms, but they're still trying to make an effort, I would just say, try to be patient. But I will also say, again, depending on the situation for the individual, then you may know that, okay, hey, this is just going to be a continuous cycle and nothing's going to change. So it might be better if, you know, the relationship was broken off or something like that until, like, further notice. But for... Other situations, like if the recovering addict alcoholic is actually trying to get better, then I would just say be patient with them. Okay, so that has me thinking. 
How often did you think it would be better? Mm, in what sense? To I'm sorry, I can't. My brain just like stopped mid sentence. At what point, or how much? What am I trying to say to you? Okay, maybe you, you see you just make me nervous. <laughs> After six and a half nervous. years. <laughs> okay. I'm being honest. You want honesty? I'm being honest. I appreciate that. I just need to figure out what the fuck I'm trying to say. Okay, so were there any points where you thought it would be better for us to just break it off because of my addiction? Yes. But I stuck around because even though we weren't really acting like a couple, you know, we still had the history together. I know I still loved you and everything like this, so... I basically just prayed and prayed and hoped that things would get better, or if they don't, then I would have, like, some sort of sign or guidance or something to know what to do from there. Right. Um, were there, what specific points made you think that maybe it would be better to not be together? They're sporadic. Because there are sometimes where everything would be super, super good, and then we'd get in a huge, huge argument, and then be like, all right, do I really want to deal with this stuff if it's going to be a cycle, or would it just be better if I just, like, if either me or you just walked out the door right then and there? But then I'm like, well, I don't want to be like, oh, yeah, I'm breaking up or divorcing or whatever you want to call it. Um with my partner just because of like one measly argument even if it would happen sometimes because like we'd be good for a while and then something happens everybody's pissed off and then stay pissed off for a couple days and then go back to what was our normal back then and then it would just happen but i'd try to keep faith and our normal was basically we'd argue cool off and then never go back to the problem until it became a problem again pretty much I think that's one of the main differences between how things were then and now. Like, we'll still fucking argue. <laughs> but it's not as often, and we're a little better at talking things out. Yeah, like, before, even just a couple months ago, um, before I would say we hit our low, like, lowest of lows that we've had the entire six years, six and a half years we've been together. Like in April? Yeah. Then it's just like... Um, lost my train of thought. Sorry. <laughs> It'd be like my, what you mentioned earlier is we would, our normal would be like we would argue, get better, and then pretend it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And then whatever the problem was or whatever that argument or originally was about would pop up again at some other point. Or it could be something as like, oh, hey, you didn't do the dishes. And then it's like, oh... You remember that other time that you did this, this, and this, or whatever, just because somebody was mad that nobody did the dishes. It was, like, mm -hmm. that simple. Yeah. It was stuff that was always in the back of our minds that we never, like, got out or worked on or anything. Whereas now, yeah, we are not perfect. We've had, had our arguments, but we've done a hell of a lot better to actually try and work out our problems and find a solution instead of just putting it to the back of our minds and pretending pretending it didn't happen and being petty about it when we can yeah yeah i agree okay so what were a few of the most difficult times being with me through my alcoholism 
I know, I'm sure there were many. Yeah, there were many, but my main concern was that um, everything would be fine and then I'd be like, hey, you need to slow down or hey, you need to stop or, you know, sober up with food or some water or something else. And you'd be like, no, no, I'm fine. And then next thing you know, you're like stumbling all over the place and yelling and just getting doing it random ass shit. And that was more annoying than anything. And then whenever you got really, really drunk, and I was like, all right, it's like time to go to bed. I basically had to half carry your ass up the stairs where we were living at at the time in order to put you in bed. But even then I wasn't sure, like, I wasn't sure if I put you in bed, if you would be um, sick or not. So I would try to sober you up by throwing you in the shower. And once that is all done and you're all cleaned up because you would have like wine or whatever <laughs> other shit, whatever the <laughs> hell you were drinking at the time spilled all over the freaking place, <laughs> then you, you needed to shower anyway and then I'd put you in bed. I vaguely remember being thrown in the shower and it was really fucking cold. Yep. And you didn't care and I still had my clothes on. I purposely made it cold because the shock was supposed to help sober you up a little faster. Hmm. Well, that's what I hoped anyway. Hmm. It's part of one of the blackouts I actually remember. Mm-hmm. Were there any other difficult moments? Hmm. Well, there were plenty of other difficult moments, but it just really depended on the day, the situation at the time. Like, I think what would really, really piss me off is whenever I would be like, hey, you don't need a drink today, or oh, hey, don't go and do that, and then we'll find out later you didn't listen and you did it anyway. And like you told me, like, I think earlier in your sobriety, whenever I remember it, mm-hmm. is, that you told me that you would lie to me and say that you either stopped drinking or weren't drinking when you actually were. Yeah, I did that a lot. There were times where, um, I do want to point out, there were times where I would say, okay, I'll only have a couple. And I actually meant it, but I just couldn't follow through. Because yeah. once I started drinking, there was no stopping. Yeah, I know. Um, at what point in time did you... Although, us alcoholics, we can... We're the only ones who can truly diagnose ourselves with it. But at what point in time do you did you feel for sure that I might have a problem I would say whenever we were still in our first apartment mm. and I remember us because you know I'm not innocent in this scenario either because it was like our first apartment our first place we don't have to worry about parents telling us what to do we have jobs so we were 19 and 20 right somewhere around there okay no, no, I was like at least 21 because remember, there are times where I'd go to Specs or some other place and come back with a box full of alcohol. Oh. And it'd be anywhere from like a couple bottles of liquor to like wine coolers and smearing off and stuff like that. And we did that kind of often. I mean, I wasn't coming home like every single day or every single week with like a box of stuff, but we at least always had some form of alcohol in the house at any given time. Rather it was a wine cooler or if it was like a liquor. So 
Now, I guess if I was to say or pinpoint when I felt like you were an alcoholic was whenever um, we, you would want to drink way more than I would. And then I'd be like, okay, well, if we do drink, then we're only going to have maybe like one or two and then go from there. But then you would either keep doing it or argue with me or just whatever to where you would want to keep drinking. And then at the time, um, I remember because, and uh, you know, I'm not trying to get you in trouble because you were underage drinking or anything, but I remember at one point that you weren't able to even get anything unless I got it for you. So then in that scenario, um, whenever I started thinking that you were having a problem, again, roughly within the same time frame, I stopped buying you stuff and you didn't really like it. Mm. But, yeah, I pissed you off, and then, like, we would, um, basically go from there without getting anything, and then as soon as you turned 21, you're buying shit almost all the fucking time. When I turned 21, it was 10 a.m., and I bought my first two bottles of wine. Yeah. Yep. I didn't drink it until, like, 4 o'clock that day, which is amazing but see remember at the uh, during the same time frame it was at least i think a couple of months or so before you're turning 21 or whatever i was like okay we need to like stop or slow down or something and yeah. then i cut you off and you weren't happy about it and then i kept you cut off until you were able to buy it yourself yeah i remember that yeah. The details are a little sketchy because this is like forever forever ago, but still. Mm-hmm. I remember one of the times where you cut me off where I was dry. And I didn't realize at the time that it was a relapse. But when I drank, when you found out about it because someone told you. Yep. Yep. I'm keeping names out of this for anonymity. Well, of course. But, yeah. And I'm pretty sure I found out whenever I was at work. And I was not happy because I was already having a bad day at work and then I find that out from this person and then now I'm even more pissed. I remember that and I wanted to kill him. But, you know, that's because I couldn't see my part in it. Um, and I I've, would have done the same thing for my friend. Okay, so... All right. What were you able to do to help cope with the lasting effects of my drinking sprees? Like coping things for me or coping things for you? What, 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 um... How did you cope with my shit? Oh. Like when you were getting sober? Before, during, after, whatever. Well, obviously, whenever you were in the midst of everything, I was playing video games and working all the time didn't really do anything else aside from that we would occasionally hang out together and do stuff but we were more roommates than anything at that point that's so, so true i guess my coping mechanism with that was just you know doing my own thing right. and let you crash and burn on your own which i did many times yeah i mean granted you know i still loved you and cared about you and everything but whenever i was just seeing that everything i was trying to do to help like I guess, control 
the way that you were and it wasn't working and it was just forming arguments, I got tired of arguing, so I just stopped. Right. And then afterwards, whenever you finally did get sober, then that's whenever um, we started formula like starting have started having a relationship again i guess i could say Mm -hmm. i mean granted it still is not perfect because we still have many ups and downs and Mm -hmm. things like that throughout your sobriety but it was a little bit more manageable at that point in time than it was prior to that but basically the coping things for me was still the same thing just kind of like do my own thing and then if you needed me or whatever then i would be there for you right up until, you know, things actually started getting better with our relationship, and then it's just like, okay, now a lot of the way that you've acted and all this other stuff makes sense now, you know. Yeah. And we were able to essentially go from there. Right. With, like, better methods, so. At what point, if you have realized it, was it when you um, realized that there was nothing you could do to control my drinking because I couldn't even control my drinking and there was no amount of love that you had for me that would have made a difference in my drinking? No matter how much I loved you, I still couldn't stop. Mm. Like, was there a point or is that still something that you struggle with? Wait, repeat that? Okay, because, like... Knowing that no amount of love, no amount of... Oh, my throat's doing that thing. Drink your water. I will. Um, No amount of love could stop me from drinking. No amount of trying to moderate it. There was no such thing as moderating me. Like, I was going to do what I needed to do. Mm -hmm. Like, did you ever get to that point? Well, yeah, I did. I mean... Like I said, whenever I was basically checked out while you were dealing with your own shit, then I guess that would be roughly around the point yeah. you were asking for. Yeah. And then, I mean, I was here on the sidelines making sure you weren't doing stupid shit, but, like, at that point, nothing I've said and done throughout the entire however long it was at that point in time was helping. So... Why would I continue to waste my energy on trying to do this stuff myself whenever, you know, you, you got to do it on your own. And I do vaguely remember you telling a couple of different occasions where um, I told you it's like, you, you've got to do this stuff on your own. Hmm. And then, but get, well, I could be wrong. And correct me if I am wrong in this whole scenario. But I don't think you truly realized that until you actually did get into it. Oh, I didn't. I didn't go to AA to stop drinking. I went into AA because I was miserable and therapy wasn't working, nothing was working, and I still wanted to drink even though I had to take that medicine. Yeah. I didn't know what to do. <clears throat> um, but I do wanna, and this on a positive note, um, I love you very much. I love you too. And I am so happy that I had you this whole time. Even though I didn't always consider your wants, needs, feelings. Um, Although 
There was nothing you could have done to stop me when I was in my addiction. I tried up until yeah. it just wasn't working anymore and got tired of trying. <laughs> I just want you to know it had nothing to do with you. There's nothing anyone could have done. Know that now, but of course, back then, the way I am, I'm just like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Well, do you have any last words, maybe any more advice to spouses that are dealing with the same situation or similar situation? Like I said, um, in general, it's gonna depend on what the situation is for that couple. Like, if I guess an example, and this isn't really much of advice, but just like a realistic scenario. Mm -hmm. If your spouse or significant other is an alcoholic addict or whatever, and is like, um, like trying to hurt you or do anything like that, then by all means, get the fuck out. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's, there's no reason why you should be in a situation if you are either physically or emotionally being a abused or harmed because of the behavior of, you know, your, um, alcohol, like, your alcoholic or addict. Mm -hmm. Now, if it's just like, okay, maybe your significant other or whoever is spending a little too much, too, too much time out with friends and drinking or, like, spending a little bit too much money that you are supposed to be saving for other stuff on, um, like, but y'all's own personal stuff then in a situation like that I would just try and it's like if you can talk to that person about their behavior and see if that might change something you can or try to co coax them into trying to get into the program themselves um, go from there but the really it, it just all depends I will say you know this is something that even I've dabbled in a few times myself but there is another program that that is specifically for the friends and family of alcoholics if no one is familiar with it it's called Al-Anon so if you are really not sure what to do then I would highly suggest looking into Al-Anon to see if that is where you can find your answer to that because that whole entire program it, it's similar to AA in a way, but it's also very different because whenever you're going into Al-Anon, you're going in as like a person, family member, friend that is worried or doesn't know how to deal with everything that's going on with um, your qualifier, which would be your addict or alcoholic in that sense. So definitely just try and check out on that and then about as much as I could think of. <laughs> One more question. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you wish you would have known then that you know now? Mm. Well, there's a lot of stuff I wish I would have known back then like, that I do now. Like what? So much to go into. <laughs> I guess more so like if I would have known that we we're gonna be going through all the freaking arguments and all the other shit that we have going through all this stuff. I'd just be like, hey, uh, be prepared or try to come or try to avoid the arguments altogether. Like, if I could go back in time and do that, I probably would. Avoiding the arguments? Hmm. 
Like, the I, one... I guess that would be in the more so sense is like, okay, on the concept of going back in time, then, you know, whenever we were really, really, really bad off, be like, hey, just so you know, things do get better. And mm-hmm. if you continue to dwell on this problem, it's just going to fester. Yeah. Until either you or me decide to blow up on the whole thing. Right. So there's there's probably like a few things I would say and a few things I would have done differently if I know exactly everything I know now, but can't change the past, so. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well... Although you live with me and you have to deal with me all the time. Anyways, thank you for your time and being on here for the listeners. Hopefully you guys get something out of that, whether it's just pure entertainment or maybe secretly you're going through the same thing and don't know what the fuck to do. Well, you want a brutal honesty. And I'm glad I got it. (laughs) But I will say to everybody else that is listening and kind of has followed along this whole program and podcast that she is doing. It's like, things do get better. You just gotta keep your head up. And you probably gotta make sacrifices here and there for some things so better things can come. That's true. And both of you have to make sacrifices, not just one. Exactly. And I think that's one of the hardest parts because as me as an alcoholic, I'm very selfish. I don't like changing things for other people. I want what I want, when I want it, how I want it, where, when, why, like all of those things. So putting your wants and needs into consideration. I don't want to say it was hard. Oh no, it was definitely hard. Yeah, okay, it was hard. Because okay, the way that you could see it in that scenario is like, you don't want to give up your core values at, or core qualities that make you as a person. Mm-hmm. But if you are in a relationship, then it's not just like... It, it is one individual, but it's also like a whole individual. I mean, I, I guess to reword that in one scenario is like... Don't completely give up or give parts of yourself away just so you could have or abide abide by your significant other you want to keep a good balance between your individual wants and needs and then their individual wants and needs and what y'all need together i think that's the hardest part honestly yeah and it's not something that happens overnight i'll tell you that for a fact this is not something that happens overnight Mm -mm. your significant other doesn't just go into the program and then in a week oh everything is fine and everything's back to normal or whatever it was prior to their addiction oh no it takes a lot of time a lot of effort and some things you have to keep you have to keep doing you have to keep working on mm-hmm. just so everything happens like i said like now Whereas where we used to argue over stupid stuff, it could be something as simple as like, hey, why didn't you do the dishes? Or, hey, why didn't you do the laundry? Whatever. And then the person would be like, oh, um, because I was busy. Or, oh, I just didn't feel like whatever. And then that turns into an entire argument. And now it's like, hey, if you do 
the dishes, I'll cook dinner, or hey, if you do this, I'll do this. Mm -hmm. Or hey, let's do this together. Mm -hmm. As opposed to just being like demanding or wanting one person to do everything all at once. Mm -hmm. So, like I said, with relationships in general, you have to keep a balance between your individual needs and the needs of y'all two as a couple. Yeah. I, mean, I, I don't know if that makes any sense. It does. Oh, yeah. It really does. So I'm 15. Well, I will be 15 months sober on the 30th. And it's something I still struggle with. Because I, I naturally want to be selfish. I want to get my way. So sometimes I find myself, like, almost, almost starting an argument or snapping when I really don't need to. Or just sometimes being unwilling to compromise and then I, I'm just like oh shit this is this is why we would fight in the past yeah exactly and it's not worth it and then like I said it's usually over something small and insignificant mm-hmm. but old us will turn that small and insignificant thing into a huge freaking argument that will last an entire week or more mm-hmm. whereas new us I say that just loosely but new us is basically, okay, this is a small thing. Yeah, it sucks. Okay, I'm a little annoyed about it, but I'm not going to turn it into a full-fledged argument. Right. You know what I mean? So it's just, like I said, and, uh, and it's not like, oh, hey, I'm telling you, hey, you have to give up your personality, your wants, goals, or whatever to appease by me or anything like that because it's not fair. Mm-hmm. Like, I wouldn't want you to do that to me, so why would I do it to you? Yeah. So you have to, again, find that balance between the two. So, that's just, like, where this whole thing goes through. And that's if, if, you know, y'all decide to stay together. Because, you know, for some couples, and I'm not really saying us, but for other couples, you know, it might be better if y'all split up. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's gonna suck. Yeah, it's gonna have a whole world of consequences, like, could have a whole world of consequences, stuff like that, but if you stay in an unhappy relationship and it's been unhappy and there is no signs whatsoever of things getting better, why continue suffering? Yeah. There there was a time when I thought that was gonna be best for us. But I'm glad it's not. Mm -hmm. I'm glad we're on a stable foundation. We are super stubborn. To, a, to such a fault. Oh my god. <laughs> we sh- Like, there are times where we should have ended it. Yeah, I'll agree with that. But, I just... I felt like if I... Especially over something small and insignificant. Like, something like the... Some of the old arguments we used to argue about. And it was like, like I said, small and insignificant. Mm-hmm. And we was feel like that. Man, I would have felt like such a shitty person. Well, I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about the bigger things where it was, like, our values and... Oh. Yeah. Yeah. That depends on what what area we're talking about. Right. Yeah, some of those I was just like, well, this isn't going to change in me. This isn't going to change in you. The fuck are we going to do now? (laughs) So, in those moments, it's just like... I was very convinced that us splitting up would be the best for both of us. So we didn't have to, like, lose that part of ourselves. 
So, anyways. Oh, do you still feel like that? I don't. Well, good. Because we were able to communicate and compromise and, um, what's the word? Make resolutions. Yeah. Or get resolutions. Yeah, we, we didn't avoid the problem. And all we can do is just hope for the best in the future. I mean, and by no, and by no means, we are not perfect. We do not have a flawless relationship. <laughs> there are still old habits that both of us still have that will randomly spring up. And they're like, hey, you shouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. Rather, it's something that we noticed ourselves or something that our significant other pointed out. I'm good at doing that. Yeah. <laughs> but as you used to tell me all the time, stop bringing up the past. I don't do that anymore. I know. <laughs> Is that a resentment? Nah. Are you sure? Yeah. I can I can walk you through a step four. <laughs> <I'm good>. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's just that's just generally speaking. Okay. Like I said, it's this our advice is not gonna work for everybody. Everybody has to find their own way in this life and with their coping mechanisms and stuff like that about as much as we can do is to share our experience and I'm sure there is somebody somewhere that is something has to do dealing with something similar but there's probably also other people out there that are dealing with things that we never thought we would mm-hmm. so it just depends on the individual yeah and we're saying all this trying not to get too into our personal lives yeah so if some of it seems vague well that's why we need some anonymity. <laughs> I mean, if we can't, if we want to put all of our business out there, just we would be all over social media all the time. Just yeah. kidding. I'm just kidding. Social media is not that bad, although sometimes it is. <laughs> it's the worst, but we're all addicted to it. But for the most part, um, I'm sure like a lot of our topics have been kind of like all over the place tonight, but it's mainly because, you know, for anonymity, blah, 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 I can't say that word right anonymity. now. Anonymity. <laughs> sake, the, we, we don't need to be putting that information out in the public. Nope. Because family listens to this, I think. And you guys don't want to know everything, I promise. <laughs> just, um, yeah, let's just leave it at that. We're fine. We're doing okay. Doing a hell of a lot better than we were even just a few months ago. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, with that being said, I think it's a good time to close it out. So can you turn that off? Okay, so just a moment of silence for those who are in and out of the room still suffering in their addiction. I said a moment of silence. I'm sorry. Wow. I didn't know silence included laughing. Please hold out for a second. I apologize. Okay. Well, that being said, I think it's time for the freaking serenity prayer. Because I'm very serene right now. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> So, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Thanks for listening. If you're still here, I applaud you. We're, we're a train wreck sometimes. But we're, we're a train wreck. I'm not. You're part, hey, you're part of the train. You're riding it. Okay, shut up. Yeah, exactly. We're going, we're going straight to brick walls, apparently. 
because that's what I do. I can't drive. <laughs> I'm bad at life. <laughs> okay, well, I love you all. Um, stay safe in these crazy, shitty, fun times. And we'll talk soon. Bye. Bye.